a COVID-19 couldn't be more delighted at present. Uh, but that's a whole other story, you know. The evil mind that is COVID-19, which doesn't even care about injustice. It cares only about killing people. Uh, But I don't really deal with that in this episode. Uh, I deal with whatever I do deal with in this episode coming right up. Last week, the whole world was cautiously and carefully social distancing and lockdowning and doing all those sorts of things. Um, I mean, pretty much everybody, you know, except for a few redneck freedom fighters in America, in the Midwest, you know. Uh, you know, we've got a 74th Amendment right to bloody give everyone the virus. Except for those guys. Yeah, but the, you know, the entire world was being so careful. Um, but then a drama. You know, like an, um, uh, like an ice-breaking drama, you know. Uh, because the world has been on ice uh, for a couple of months uh, due to coronavirus. Um, but then something came crashing through. It would appear that, you know, like all the all the images would suggest this, that uh, the court case hasn't happened yet, but you know, it doesn't look good. It would appear that an um, a European uh, style American policeman has asphyxiated an African American detainee. Uh, someone he was arresting. Okay, and killed him. Uh, shocking. All right. Now, and that has triggered protests. Now, for the last two months, um, you know, the only news we've had has been on coronavirus, and our minds have been full of that. Uh, and the news has been full of that. Um, it was getting very boring, news-wise. Yeah, but that's okay. We were all in lockdown. You know, and many of us are in families with very severe uh, underlying health issues. You know, so in families like that, and you know, I reckon fifty percent of all families in the world are like that. Someone in the family's got a severe underlying health issue. You know, or some or has someone who's el- elderly, if you like. By elderly, I mean over a hundred and five. You know, because I intend to go to one hundred and twenty. So I'm not declaring myself old until I'm one hundred and five. And even when I'm 105, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to call it. <laughs> but that's just me. I don't like the word elderly. Well, as might be applied to me anyway. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there. <laughs> um, anyway, having said all that, um, it's like a circuit breaker, you know? And it took the world off ice. Not ice drugs. I mean ice, you know, on ice. Okay, in the freezer, you know? The news has been on ice, and it's been no, you know, it's been a, a slow news year so far, 2020. I know coronavirus seems big, but really, 
you know, what has coronavirus boiled down to news-wise? Well, nothing much more than what I called in a previous episode the Death Olympics, you know, where we kind of look at the stats every day and see who's on top. America. They're pretty undisciplined, the Americans, one way or another. Um, It might be why they're on top. Okay, Uh, now, and not just those rednecks. Anyway, so a circuit breaker has come along. A murder. Um, I'm, I'm not inside the head of the guy that did it, you know, but it might be racism even. You know, we have no idea because we're not inside the head of that guy. Um, he put a knee to the neck of an African-American bloke and asphyxiated him. I don't think he was trying to kill him, but he did kill him. Uh, look, maybe he wasn't trying not to kill him. He wasn't trying to not kill him. Yeah, I think he killed him, but that's just me. But the court case is yet to happen. And in the court case, we might find out that he's been doing that every day with people. You know, uh, and we might actually turn, it might actually transpire that it had nothing to do with the guy's race at all, but he puts a knee on the neck of everyone he arrests, you know, and that might come out in the court case. We have no idea. You know, that's why we normally wait until the outcome of the trial before we go nuts. You know, Rodney King, that was a big one. In the early 90s, I remember that one. And, um, and a policeman, you know, uh, saw off Rodney King. Well, he didn't die, but I think he brutally bashed him or something. You know, like it was pretty bad. Um, but on that occasion, there, there wasn't, there was, uh, the, the riots didn't explode. They, uh, the, the people of America waited until the court case had concluded um, and waited for the outcome of the trial you know, just to make sure <laughs> that it was a race-related thing and, you know, and that the cop had been done something bad or whatever. You know, that's what court cases are for. And then they rioted. You know, they rioted afterwards, after the court case. Look, it's a bit much to expect with video footage such as we saw with George Floyd to wait for the court case, you know, um, to a certain extent... Um, a little part of us wants to go back to medieval times. Uh, we want blood now, you know. We need those four cops that were there on the scene. We need them hung in Lafayette Square, <laughs> somewhere in America. There's lots of Lafayette Squares in America. Uh, Lafayette, uh, that was another episode I did. He's very popular in America. Unpopular in France. He was a multi. He was a multiple revolutionary. <laughs> he was in the American Revolution. He was in the French Revolution. He's popular in one, but not the other. I think he even had a hand in the Russian Revolution, but this whole other story. Um, okay, so what have we got now? Look, everyone's gone nuts. The video footage was pretty damning. You know, even I'm feeling prejudicial. You know, I'm thinking, oh, that's not good. You know. He's murdered that oh, Can you imagine? The guy start, stopped moving and, and the cop keeps his knee on his neck. Well, you know, Did he notice that suddenly the guy had gone very inert? <laughs> yeah. A couple of minutes, apparently. 
Oh, I haven't actually seen the footage. Uh, I'm one of those people that doesn't need to. Uh, but that's a whole other story. You know, you can take it on faith. You know, if the whole world is horrified, you can take it on faith. You don't need to put that image in your head yourself. Yeah. All right. Now, um, so, now, so America. Look, America was being pretty slack anyway. This is more a virus podcast um, than a Black Lives Matter podcast. But I want to talk about Black Lives Matter too. Uh, the phrase, really. Yeah. Um, and, but it's about the virus as well. No, I'll make it about Black Lives Matter more. But I'll, I'll just get the virus out of the way. Okay, so we'll, we'll have a little shift here in this episode suddenly because I wasn't quite sure what which way I would go in this episode. I just, as I do, pressed record and then, you know, switched on the stream of consciousness. I, I roughly knew all the sorts of things that have been popping into my head lately. So, you know, you bring them all together in an episode like this. Okay. Um, there's a lot of political issues, by the way, uh, relating to Black Lives Matter and, you know, um, and it's sophisticated. The whole issue is sophisticated, and yet it's simple at the same time. You know, case in point, for example, I'll just pick one moment in all of the news lately, just so you get an idea. Emma Watson, the um, Harry Potter actor. Hermione! <laughs> um, she apparently, I didn't know this, um, I saw this on the news. I'm not on social media, but you get an idea of what is on social media via the media. You see it in the newspapers. You know they they bring stuff that's happening on the social media into the media so that you can kind of you know they're reporting on what's happening in the social media, and uh, that's good. That's that's about as much um, exposure as I want to social media. I don't want any more than that. I just need the commentary. I don't need to actually be involved. Because I think uh, being on social media um, you know, damages the brain. <laughs> so I'm not doing it. Uh, do you know, if you're not on social media, that's a form of silence in the modern... You don't exist if you're not on social media. It's a form of silence. And if you're silent, you're complicit. Uh, you probably know what I mean by that, mm. which is a bit tricky. If you don't want to be on social media, you know, and and yeah, you know, and that effectively renders you silent in the world. Well, I'm not. I'm doing a podcast, but this podcast is silence, you know, because it's got it's definitely got no listeners, and it's you know this podcast has taken steps to make sure that it has no listeners. So you know that's that's choosing silence, essentially, is what I do in my world. I have a very small world. Um, and to a certain extent, I should be trying to get into the public discussion a lot more so that I'm not so silent. This is actually silence, believe it or not, what I'm doing here on this podcast, more or less. There are stats on my podcast app, and I know that I've got no listeners. I've been doing this for over a year, and I've got no listeners. You, know, you can play tricks with this podcast app, and get yourself listeners. You know, you can market and publicise and do all these things. You can even make money. I haven't pressed any of those buttons because I'm not interested 
Therefore, I'm deliberately rendering myself silent in public discourse, uh, which I have heard makes me complicit. You know, I should be noisy in my prote- in, in protesting, in joining the protest. You know? uh, there's a protest going on this week, by the way, coming up Saturday, I think, for George Floyd or related matters, you know, black life matters. Black Lives Matter. Um, but I won't be joining that because, well, did I mention coronavirus? Underlying health issues, all that sort of stuff. Right. Moving along, though, just to get the virus out of the way. Um, well, the virus is out of the way. <laughs> no, um, it's not actually in Australia. It still could come back. Uh, but a week ago... Uh, a week ago... The whole world was studiously and cautiously and carefully um, social distancing, except those rednecks. Now, uh, this George Floyd thing erupted, and suddenly um, people are gathering in their many, 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 many thousands, all pressed together. Okay, that's a field day for the virus, straight away. So we're taking steps in our family. We're going to extend our lockdown because that's frightening. And uh, it may be wrong, but our primary concern at present is the virus. You know, our primary concern isn't you know, racism and all that sort of stuff. I know that's wrong. Um, and yeah, you can have two concerns at once, but our primary concern is um, making sure that, you know, people in our family who are who would be knocked off in five minutes flat should they get the virus our primary concern is that they are kept safe so none of us are um, getting involved at all in any physical way that's for sure in fact uh, this is going to send us into a slightly stronger lockdown now you know all these protests Um, whereas people who are going on the protests and pressing together and um, flouting um, social distancing laws. You know, I think I heard that the Premier of Victoria has said, listen, we'll go easy on people if they want to press together at the protests. We're not going to make arrests at the protests. Um, which I think is a concern. Uh, but I think they're being political there. Um, but the virus doesn't care about politics. Ah, oh, dear. Anyway, um, which makes you wonder, why can't we go to the footy then? You know, because you know, if, if we're going to have protests with 10,000 people, 20,000 people, 30,000 people, um, then let's go, you know, let's go. Let's have the footy. Let's, let's get the footy back on. You know, let's get, let's get down to the MCG again. You know, because we, they are actually bringing the footy back. Um, you know where I'm going with that. Uh, yeah, but it's going to be uh, to empty stadiums now. So, um, look, we've, we seem to have knocked off the virus just about, but we haven't, you know, because there's still going to be a lot of cases in the population still, and these protests are probably going... To, all we need is a couple of super spreaders in these protests, and, you know, these protests will be nigh on just like, you know, that thing South Korea experienced when everyone was at church that time, and suddenly, you know... Korea, South Korea had however many thousand cases just because of one church gathering. Well, you know, one protest gathering. 
and away we go. Yeah. You know, accelerate the curve again. I actually think, um, I, I honestly, um, you know, my bet, my guess, is that America, you know, because they've been doing massive protests, we're not going to have that here, I'm sure. Massive protests. And I think, um, you know, like, <laughs> flatten. You know, the US has been flattening the curve slightly, but it's, <laughs> I wouldn't call it. They're still, you know, they're still getting... Um, 2,000 new cases every single day and no, 2,000, actually I've been, no, 1,000 new deaths every day. So I wouldn't say that they've, um, the virus has been beaten over there and now with, now that they've, comp- you know, they've completely put aside virus concerns because they've got something that matters more to them, these protests, you know, these protestors. The racism, racism thing, you know, maybe they've been cooped up too much. You know, look, my gut feeling as a person in a family with members and multiple members of the family being having very, very serious um, underlying health issues and they would be knocked off in five minutes. Um, I'm sort of thinking, can't you, you know, like Australian protesters anyway, because the Australian police haven't done anything wrong for a long time out of the ordinary anyway. Um, so, you know, can we protest, can we hold off the protests in a civilised and sophisticated way, you know, let America go nuts if they want to, you know, because they've got, they're very passionate un, and undisciplined, the Americans, um, you know, like I think half those protesters don't care about their own grandmothers, because I, um, I would lay odds that a lot of those protesters in America are going off and protesting, going home, giving the virus to both their parents, who go and visit their grandparents and knock them off. Yeah, I would lay odds that a lot of that is happening in America right now. They're still getting a thousand deaths per day anyway. A lot of those protesters are doing that, but I think they're figuring it's worth the risk because racism is a big thing, and it is. It's worth the risk. But the point is they're not risking their own lives. They're risking the lives of their grandmothers. You know, so it's worth risking someone else's life. Yeah, to me, it's like if I was very passionate about something, I don't know what, anything, you know, disability, for example, you know, uh, which is something I'm interested in, disability. People, you know, uh, the rights of people with a disability. If I'm passionate enough about that, I might flout, you know, a month ago I could have flouted um, social distancing rules and marched into the city, you know, with 50 of my friends who are also into um, disability rights, um, and theoretically, you know, I, I would have been doing the right thing. However, I would have given a lot of people the virus and would have killed them. You know, uh, now, if all the protesters do get together today, oh, sorry, on Saturday, uh, and do that, um, and all get together, are they not saying to my family, for example, listen, racism is a big thing, you know, to us, and it should be to you too. Actually, it is to me too. It is a big thing to me, but I, you know, that's not what this episode is about. You know, this episode is not about racism. It's about some other things. Uh, but are these people saying, listen, yes, but we have to balance up, you know, is the risk worth it? To kill people, yes, we'll probably kill a few people, but it's worth it, you know, in order to get a strong voice going on racism. It's worth taking the risk on death is what they're saying these protesters who will get down to you know melbourne 
this Saturday. They're saying that. It's worth the risk. Listen, we've, we've weighed up all the risks. You know, last week, yes, we were very carefully social distancing. This week, we're not going to be. And because we've weighed up all the risks. And we think it's worth taking the risk on dying, you know. But my family would say, yes, but you're, you're risking not yourself dying because you're young. You're, you're saying it's worth risking killing you because I think this thing matters more. Now, I do think that thing matters too, myself, you know, but not yet. Hold off. Let's get a hold of this coronavirus and let's have, then, you know, let's have a huge protest after that. In fact, I'll march with you, you know. But, um, you know, I actually think, um, I actually think in Australia at least, you know, um, wife matters more than black lives matter. I actually have that in, I have that actually ahead of Black Lives Matter in my head at the moment, which might make me evil, but hey, I'm just being honest. Yeah. Okay, uh, but this is not a podcast. This is not social media in which we can debate this. There's no way for you to talk to me, you know, because I'm. this is a monologue. You're stuck. <laughs> you can't say anything. You can disagree privately. Yeah. All right, so there's that. Now, um... So, that, that, you know, look, what we're getting is a collision here between competing um, imperatives, you know. Uh, okay. But the racism thing is a really long-term thing, and coronavirus is, you know, rather short-term. And my feeling is, can we, you know, in Australia at least... I got interrupted there um, at the critical moment. Well, the entire episode is one long critical moment in my head. That's how important I think my speaking is. <laughs> I don't actually. Okay. Um, what was I saying? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. There's competing priorities. It's a little bit like a smoker wanting to smoke outside a coffee shop. Yeah, El Fresco and take away the El Fresco. Um, he's got a right to smoke, you know. There's a smoking gun out there and it's called Black Lives Matter and the protesters want to smoke that one. Um, but then I've got my right, you know, to not inhale that smoke, you know, that virus, you know, to not catch the virus and then give it to my family and then watch, well, three of them get knocked off in seven minutes flat gasping for air, you know, that's what I'm getting at. In Australia, where's the urgency on the racism issue? You know, strike while the iron's hot. Yes, America's exploding. Look, America's gone nuts. Um, They're undisciplined. They've got 107,000 deaths due to coronavirus. Um, Look, it's bad timing, this bloke, you know, murdering this other bloke. Um, but, uh, oh, you know, where does, the virus doesn't care about Black Lives Matter and politics and all that sort of stuff. And yet it does really matter, all the Black Lives Matter stuff and all that stuff. You know. Anyway, what I'm getting at is um, I would have thought in Australia at least we could say, listen, um, we could have done something um, and, be, and, and, and tried to balance the two dramas 
up together. I think there was a pro, yeah, you know, someone I know, Anise, she sent me a photo of um, Israelis protesting against Benjamin Netanyahu. I think they say Benjamin, don't they? <laughs> Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister, nothing to do with the virus or with Black Lives Matter. Um, and they marked out social distancing spots where all the protesters could actually stay 1.5 metres away from each other. And I thought that was a very powerful protest. Why can't we do that? Why do we have to have the mass, noisy, undisciplined kind of protest, which is absolutely appropriate at other times? Why can't we have the dignified, careful, cautious, powerful social distancing protest just while we've got a coronavirus on, if we can't wait. You know, it would make a big statement. In fact, it would make Australia look amazing. Yeah. Even to um, people of colour worldwide. Look at these people. They're protesting in a very powerful way. You know, marching in a social distancing way, almost like Roman soldiers in a phalanx. You know, something like that. It would be brilliant. Yeah, but, you know... It'd be nice to put some social distance between us and the Americans and do things not the way they're doing things. Because America... Look, the whole world's lost the plot on Black Lives Matter. I agree. The whole world's racist. But in saying that, America is um, on steroids. You know, on that front, they're worse. Surely they're worse. You can have... One country in the world that is the worst, and I think America is the worst. That's not. That, I'm not saying that we're good guys. I'm just saying, you know, we are bad, but they're bad on steroids. You know, and that's why everything they do is a mess. And they really do get very sideways. America, with their lack of discipline and all that sort of stuff, you know. The chanting, the, the yelling, you know. Um, you listen to all the speeches and everything. It doesn't matter what the speeches are about. It doesn't matter if it's someone on... Look, we'll use white-black language. It doesn't matter if it's a white redneck or a black rapper or whatever. Um, the the way they speak is um, for effect, you know, in a very pushy, pushy way, they're out of control. You know. And, um, and normally... That doesn't matter too much. But in the age of coronavirus, I think it does matter. You know, because you, the virus demands discipline. And uh, the way these protests are going in America, that's not discipline. And I think they might actually jump to 200,000 deaths now. By the time you listen to this, you know, tell me I'm wrong. You, you know, you might look it up on your little Wikipedia thing, you know, and it might say America, 200,000 deaths. It might say 300,000 deaths. And you might be able to, you know, there might be a little cross on the graph that says how many deaths in America, you know, where the curve started to go up again. Um, and that cross was the death of Jeff, uh, Jeff, George Floyd. You know. Okay. So there's all that. Now, I remember when I was starting this episode, I'll just finish it off now. I've got to go and do something. Um... Now, this this episode doesn't come to any conclusion or anything like that. Um, and it doesn't make any political statement or anything like that. You know, uh, my, yeah, this podcast is not about politics or me um, 
me having a voice, you know, or anything like that. In fact, it's me not having a voice, all right? Um, oh, I did, I was going to someone who does have a voice, Emma Watson. I almost mentioned her before. I almost forgot about Emma Watson. I think she's fantastic as a little witch. <laughs> she's a brilliant witch. She's even got a cat. She went for the cat you know, instead of the owl. <laughs> Very witchy. Anyway, um, Emma Watson, now there's, uh, you know, I have learned, actually a niece told me this, that um, in the social media world, um, it's a different world. And you know that. This podcast, you you couldn't have this podcast in the social media world because I've already, you know, it's gone for 20, 25 minutes. You've got to get things under 25 characters, you know, never mind this 25 minutes business. I was speaking, and if anyone were to quote this podcast, they'd just pull out six words and say, this is what Charlie Threbbo thinks. And they'd put, you know, this is the sort of thing you would expect from a Charlie Threbbo, you know. He just said, you know, some things are more important than Black Lives Matter. You know, maybe I said that earlier in this podcast. Totally out of context, that would be put on social media with no mention of the context. And the swearing and the yelling would start, you know, because Charlie Threadbow has been quoted. But he's been misquoted, hasn't he? Because you, you need to spend 40 minutes or an hour on every single topic. The world needs to slow down. But social media is on steroids. Hey, did the Americans invent that? <laughs> I think they might have. No surprise that social media is sending public discourse to the dogs. Now, one thing about social media, though, is everything has to be grabby. And, and um you know, concise and branded. So everything, even serious issues that matter, you know, very deadly serious matters, even things like racism, uh, they have something like that has to be branded or it doesn't exist. So the way these things get branded, for example, you know, is um, as follows, you know, for example, you get a brand going. It has to be branded. I don't think people are actually that conscious that that's what's happening. Um, but, um, what was it? Um, uh, we stand with Paris. What was that one? But even that's too long. We stand with Paris. What was the one when something happened in Paris? Yes. The terrorist attacks ages ago and everyone was on Instagram or whatever and Facebook and all that sort of thing. And they had the French flag and then some slogan. You see, you need a slogan. Okay. So the branding at present you know, around racism, you know, um, well, if you were to put it properly, um, what needs to happen is the, um, the evils of the past, you know, the scramble for Africa and colonisation and slavery, you know, and all those sorts of things, serious redress needs to occur across the world economically, socially, politically, and in many other ways too. And, um, and all those evils in the past uh, persist to the current day in the legacy that the past has left in, in the present. You know, for example, in terms of a rigged, economic system, for example. You know, like back then, 
Um, Africa, for example, was raped and pillaged, and a lot of other continents too, you know, especially by places like England. Um, grand theft, looting and rioting, if you like, on a global scale, you know, by France and England and all those sorts of things. And it didn't go away. You know, we, we, we like to feel we got enlightened. Um, but the legacy of that continues on today in the form of what we broadly call racism you know, and um, a rigged world social, economic and political system. And there's no way for what they call people of colour um, to really have a chance, a red-hot chance. Look, you get your occasional Obama... You know, but the exception doesn't make the rule, and this is the problem of racism now, and I've probably only covered it, you know, 1%. Now, here's the problem. That took me about 50 words to say all that, and I, and I, I covered it only to the tune of 1%. Now, what the world of social media doesn't allow, long discourse, such as the kind of discourse you know, I get involved in in this podcast. It doesn't allow that. You know, there's going to be no transcript of what I'm saying here, no matter how beautifully or carefully I put it. You know, a little phrase somewhere in this entire speech will be pulled out and put on social media and they'll say that's what Charlie Threbbo thinks. But it's not what I think. I think. I think something a lot more sophisticated than all of that. You know, but the problem with branding... The cult of branding on social media is that that little monologue, soliloquy, whatever that I just made, you know, which was just off the top of my head, the first thing that came to my head, you know, that, to try and describe what racism is. Um, on social media, you can't have that many words. So it has to be distilled. But um, when you distill it, to a very short slogan, all the meaning has gone, and the slogan doesn't mean what the problem is anymore. So there's a slogan, for example, Black Lives Matter. Now that doesn't, that doesn't describe the actual problem at all. Not, not even close. Not even close. I think, um, you know, Africans, people, you know, are saying that too. No, no, you're getting, you don't know what Black Lives Matter means. It means something much more than Black Lives Matter. I said, well, then there's, where's the problem there? Yeah, because people are coming back with phrases like this saying, hang on, if you say Black Lives Matter, there's an inference there that other lives don't. You know, see, people are misinterpreting in their heads, you know, because they're using logic. Now, people are saying, Black Lives Matter does not just mean Black Lives Matter, it means a lot more. And you sort of think, well, can you come up with a slogan uh, that is closer to what Black Lives Matter means. Dump that slogan and come up with a better one. You know, even black, li black people need redress. Yeah, see, but that's not sloganish enough. But the problem is, the way social media works, and this is why it's a cancer, um, is it's got to be catchy. Yeah, but. You know, for because th because things need to go viral, viral. You know, or else it's not working, and this is where I think the world has dumbed down. Um, so everyone grabbed hold of and went with 
a very bad slogan like Black Lives Matter, which is which was always guaranteed to uh, cause uh, misunderstanding, you know, um, furor and people missing the point. If you use bad grammar in this world and refuse to say what you mean and mean what you say for the sake of sloganing, um, you are going to trigger fights. Bad grammar leads to fights. Now, a very bad slogan like Black Lives Matter, which even the Africans say means something other than Black Lives Matter, you know. Um, Black Lives Matter in a vacuum just means um, there is an inference there. It's too soft, but it's catchy. You know what I mean? We need a stronger slogan than that, you know. The problem needs to be fixed. The racism problem needs to be fixed. But that's not, you know, huge action required to fix racism. You know, and you don't need stupid slogans like, it stops with me, you know, racism stops with me. So even that's a slogan because it sounds catchy. Um, but you can't stop racism because there's, you know, a new little racist born every day. You can bring a child up beautifully. You, you know, racism doesn't actually stop. You're going to get one person in the world who's just going to grow up and notice that he's one colour and someone else is another colour, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So you're going to get a racist. So racism doesn't stop with anyone. But see, what they're saying is, I've got a slogan here, racism stops with me. You know, and you look very serious into the camera, racism stops with me. But it's not, you don't actually mean that. You actually, you're saying, you you want that slogan to mean something else. You know, you just want to minimise racism because you, you know yourself, you're not going to knock it off. And that sort of thing. All right. And Black Lives Matter is like that. People chant it, and then people read it literally, you know. And then the people who are chanting it saying, you're not supposed to take it literally. It's, um, you know, when you said all lives matter, you know, that would be normal interpretation of a phrase like Black Lives Matter. You know, blah, 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 you know, in normal circumstances. But when we say Black Lives Matter, we mean more than that. And I would say to that, we'll say more than that. You know, forget the slogans. Look, I would say forget social media and the whole slogan. The whole slogan sort of um, imperative these days is wrecking everything, I think. Uh, Because people aren't saying what they mean and meaning what they say. And you're just going to get fights. Whether you should or not doesn't matter. You're going to get them because you're not saying what you mean and meaning what you say. Uh, you know, um, you know the issue is very serious, but your sloganing is terrible, and your sloganing is causing a lot of trouble. Yeah, you know, because people will just arc up at your stupid sloganing, and they're responding to your slogan, the actual words of your slogan, and not what the what you're intending the slogan to mean. Yeah. You know? And then you end up getting people saying Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. And you, and then, you know, the person saying Black Lives Matter, they scream at the person saying All Lives Matter and say, you know, because logically, Black Lives Matter is a subset of All Lives Matter. Venn diagrams, you know, maths. And language is maths and logic and all that sort of stuff. What you've got is you want to force the whole world to be illogical for a political reason, you know, which is fine. If you if you can want, you know, that, like you want fishes, you know, if wishes were fishes, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get it. If you're going to be illogical, 
asking people to be political instead of logical, people are going to be logical and you're going to end up in fights. Pick a better slogan. You know? Now, another one that came up, and this is where Instagram and all this sort of stuff get out of, gets out of hand, um, I think, is um, part of the sloganing, the sloganeering, is uh, this business of finding a branded image. Now, the Black Lives Matter image at present is a black, just a totally black square. You know, like with Paris, with the terrorist attacks, they had the French flag, red, white and blue. You know, and it it went viral all around the world, red, white and blue flags as people's profile image, as they call it in the land of social media. Now, the profile image that you have to put up right now is a black square, just a plain black square. And um, if you don't put up a black square, you know, it's like that... um, you're not wearing the ribbon in that Seinfeld episode. Why aren't you wearing a ribbon? You know? <laughs> yeah, sort of Stalin, you know. But, but see, they're after the right things, you know? But there's also, you know, if you don't, if you're a celebrity, for example, and you don't put a black square, you're gone. <laughs> Speaking of which, Emma Watson. Now, she is one of these, she is a nice person, you know, in the modern sort of way of thinking. And she's also a social media sort of user, and she put a black square up, but she's got style, English girl, um, and she's got her theme on her Instagram page, I read about it on the news, Uh, she has this theme, you know, like everyone's got their own style, there are some people who wear a ribbon, everywhere they go, they wear a ribbon. You know, and if if the branding for Black Lives Matter had been you have to wear black clothing, you know, let's say your thing was a red ribbon. You know, it's just your thing, you know, your style thing, irrespective of anything else, irrespective of disability matters, you know, Black Lives Matter or anything else matters. Let's say you had a little, your little personal touch was a red ribbon. And, um, and we weren't living in the land of social media and... You know, it was about what you wore out in public. And, you know, the idea was to wear black clothes, all black clothes, um, in public. But every day you put that little red ribbon in your hair because, you know, um, that's just your thing. It's irrelevant to your dress, you know. Um, um, Now, if Emma Watson was that person and her aesthetic was wearing a red ribbon and she went out dressed all in black... And but had a red ribbon, you know, she would have been bashed in the street for not having a black ribbon. Yeah, it was a situation like that. I don't think she even saw it coming. In fact, I'm certain of it, judging by her response. Now, her aesthetic is not that, you know, the red ribbon. She puts a little frame around her her Instagram pictures. Every picture she puts on Instagram, apparently, she puts a little frame around it. It's just a little quirky aesthetic thing, you know, her little personal identity touch. You know, hi, I'm Emma. And this is, you know, this is my little sort of show of individuality. Nothing to, this is absolutely nothing to do with racism or anything else. It's just what she's been doing for years. Now, she put a black square and she didn't forego the little border around the edge of the black square. She kept that going. All her images for the last two years, look, she might be OCD and she wasn't able to not put the border around because it would have upset the artistic balance of all her Instagram posts for the last four years or something like that. You know what I mean? There are people like that, you know. I know I, I knew someone once who hung her socks on the line in a colour-coded way, according to the rainbow, you know. 
Now, you know, if someone had told her to mix up that order for some cause, like, you know, Black Lives Matter or something, I don't think she could have done it, you know, because she's been doing that for years. You know, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. I don't think she's got all those colours as socks. But you know what I'm getting at. Um, so, um, Emma Thompson. No, not Emma Thompson. What's her, what's her name? Emma Watson. Um, she, you know, she did what all celebrities should do. And she put up the the black square, you know, to say, I'm with you, I stand with you, whatever. Oh, Black Lives Matter. You know, she was saying Black Lives Matter, but she was saying a lot more than that because Black Lives Matter doesn't mean Black Lives Matter. You know, Black Lives Matter actually means something like black lives, redress, required, you know, fix the alls of the past. You know, that's what it actually means. But but they say Black Lives Matter, but they don't mean Black Lives Matter. They say fix history is what they're saying. You know, undo history, the legacy of which exists to this day in a rigged social, political, economic and personal relationships uh, sense, you know, which is what happens now in the world now because of what happened back in the 1700s and 1800s. It's still going and that's what they're talking about, you know, but they're not saying that. But anyway, Emma Watson um, was trying to do the right thing. You know, unlike me, I'm not trying to do the right thing. I don't have a black profile image because I don't even have a black profile image. Well, actually, I do, don't I? On this podcast, I, didn't, I forgot about that. I just took a photo of my um, gas heater and made that my profile image. Should I be changing this to black? You know, my profile image in this podcast. Should I? I actually should be, you know. I should have a big black square there now for my podcast image. Do you know, I think there'd be practically no one who is changing his or her or its podcast image, how far does this go? Does it have to be only on social media? You know, should people who aren't on social media, like my mother and me, should we be wearing black clothes in public to compensate for the fact that we aren't on social media putting up black squares? I know this sounds all crazy, but this is the thinking. Because if you're not doing something, you're being complicit. You see, this is the problem. It's out of control. Um, but anyway, Emma Thompson, um, she didn't get rid of the border, you know, her standard border, her aesthetic. She left a little border around there, a very thin border, maybe two millimetres, you know, and it was a white border, you know, but the, the, you know, the dominant purpose of the image was, you know, Black Lives Matter. It was the big black square, it was all black, except this very thin white border, you know. And boy, did people notice that. You bitch whore from hell! You know? (laughs) Black all the way to the edges! Yeah? We will come (laughs) down... They didn't say that. Actually, I think she might have got 40,000 comments. I bet you there was a comment that went along those lines somewhere in there. But boy, was she smashed. And I know she was smashed because it actually made it into mainstream media. The fact that she put a little border around there and I found out about it, even though I'm not on Instagram. The furor. You know? Because she got the branding slightly wrong. She There was a little bit about that branding that was about her, her aesthetic in her Instagram page. You, you know, um, fall in line, people. Everybody, fall in line. Exactly as in the way, shape and form that we tell you to fall in line. I can understand where they're coming from. 
it will be very frustrating because nothing really changes because it's very hard to undo the past, you know, and um, everyone should be focusing on Black Lives Matter. Uh, but there are some bad people, as I suggested before, who seem to have other things on their mind as well. And it, is there an evilness index involved here? You know, like let's say you had a, di- you had a disability and you didn't give a hoot about racism really because you're, you know, you're really smashed, you know, in so- all sorts of ways. You know, you've got cerebral palsy, you've got polio, you've got bloody deafness, you've got this, you got, and you don't give a shit. About Black Lives Matter because you're not getting a fair crack as a disabled person. And you know what? You put up a post and you say Disabled Lives Matter. Well, you might get smashed for saying that. You know, because you're trying to draw focus away from Black Lives Matter. I don't know how that would fly, a post like that, Disabled Lives Matter. But I wonder how it would fly if I put a post up, if I was on social media that said, listen, don't protest, please, this Saturday, because. I know you've weighed up the risks and you think death is worth the risk for such an important cause, but it's my family's death that you're risking. It's not your own death. You're young, you know. You're risking my death. So I think you're doing the wrong thing by protesting this Saturday, you know. But then I think they might do an Emma Watson on me, you know, and call me a bitch whore. Uh, Bitch whore? Bitch whore from hell. (laughs) You white bitch privileged... (laughs) Whore from hell, you know, that's what they might say to me, you know, and they'd be right, you know, because, you know, what what have I done here? I've just spent, I've just done another episode at about an hour long, and I haven't even addressed the issues of George Floyd. I just did a whole episode. Where's my George Floyd-ish episode? Where is my George Floyd episode? You know, why am I so intent on worrying about catching coronavirus? You know, all right. Have your little episode, Charlie, you know, about you're worried about the protests this Saturday because, you know, the virus might start to spike again in Australia and then suddenly, you know, and, and we've got the kids going back to school next week too. You know, have your little episode. Where's your George Floyd episode? You know, and, you know, to that I would say, well, you know, if I was Emma Watson, I'd just say, oh, to hell with you. To hell with you, you know. I'm going to leave a little white border on there. I'm not going to make it go to the edge. I'm not going to get my ruler out and, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get my, um, you know, my permanent marker out and just, oh, fucking, you know, colour in the edges. Damn, sorry. You know. Oh, there you go. It's black all the way to the edge now. Yeah, but we know that you wanted to make it white. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, no. In other words, just shut up. <laughs> Oh anyway, so um, so there's that, you know, um, and I'm not going to do a George Floyd episode, um, and I'm, not, I'm going to offer no explanation as to why that is. Look, I might, you know, because these are random. Well, there's your answer. You know? I will if I feel like it, and I won't if I don't. Uh, but I think I think George Floyd is very well covered in the public discourse. But some of the things I've been mentioning here, I think, are not. You know, and this podcast is about saying, you know, getting in the cracks and saying some of the things that are being talked about a lot. And some of the things I'm talking about in this episode are being discussed a lot. You know, I'm not actually saying all lives matter in this podcast. I'm not. You know, I, I've been saying something other than that. Absolutely other than that. There is nowhere in this podcast where I've, you know, been a proponent of the idea of all lives matter. You know, but you could actually 
pull some audio out of this podcast and edit it carefully and put it up on social media and make it sound like I am. But I'm not. And I didn't. I didn't say anything like that. Not at all. But you could misquote me very easily. You know, and put me up on social media and smash Charlie Threadbow. You know, for saying that. And still I would care because I'm not even Charlie Threadbow. It's a fake name. <laughs> and you'll say, you're just doing that to avoid, you know, you because you want to say bad things. Well, you haven't. Well, that's not true either, you know. The zen of this podcast is something completely other than that. You know, by choice of name, Charlie Threadbow has nothing to do with anything. That it, it, it wasn't an excuse to be political at all. In fact, I'm not political. Well, you can't help being political, you know, accidentally, but, you know, I'm not. It comes from Charlie Hebdo, by the way. It's terrorist-related. You know, my name, Charlie Threadbow. I could explain, but once again, I'm not going to. Suffice it to say, I made that aim up whilst the bullets were flying around the offices of Charlie Hebdo. Or was it Hebdo? Hebdo? Can't remember now. All I know is Charlie Threadbo. Uh, Emma Watson, by the way, uh, did apologise. She's a lovely person. She's much nicer than me. Um, she apologised and she said, I still have a lot to learn about remembering to take my borders off my Black Lives Matter images. And the people who criticised her, I think they have got a very valid point. So I'm not on Emma Watson's side. I'm on nobody's side. End of episode. I'm aware that in my stream of consciousness that I uh, mentioned or suggested that Lafayette might have had a hand in the Russian Revolution as well as the French and the American Revolutions. Not a bad feat, you know, having a hand in revolutions hundreds of years apart, (laughs) or at least a hundred and what? 130. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, once I'm on a roll, I don't go back and fix it. I haven't got time to be fixing mistakes. Let them ride. And of course, I don't mean all the media. When I say there is a special place in hell reserved for the media, uh, for the way they um, play the world for profit. I mean the left-leaning media and the right-leaning media. I don't mean all the media. You know, I'm, I'm generalising. Yeah. And you know, if you can find an example of a media outlet that doesn't do that, you know, that's the exception to the rule. Yeah, but I, I still think the rule exists. Yeah. That there is a special place in hell reserved for the media. Yeah, I, I think the BBC World Service, for example, is exempt, by and large. Yeah, but CNN isn't. 
Fox News isn't. Um, Sky News isn't. The Age isn't. The Herald Sun isn't. And, uh, and, and too many others to mention. Ah, I forgot to mention what this episode is about. Look, I don't know. But, you know, dominantly, I think it's about the media and the way they play um, the public yeah, and, and the way they can get uh, passions going um, and, and the way they can um, support... Excuse the uh, squeaky chair. And, and the way they can, you know throw their support behind, for example, Black Lives Matter, but then dump them soon after. Yeah. These people you think love you. you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a Black Lives Matter um, person and you think you're finally getting listened to, you, know, you might think that the, the left-leading media right now is on your side, you know, but I say they're going to dump you very quickly in favour of whatever the next wave is, whatever the next cause is, you know. They don't love you. They don't care about you. Yeah. I think the police know this, you know, because the police um, got an outpouring of love from all sides of the media only a couple of months ago. Well, I think it was only one month ago, you know, when four cops got killed on the, which, which freeway was it? You know, whichever. It was over in Kew, on the Eastern Freeway. Um, and um, for all, you know, the cops would have believed in the middle of that crisis that they had the unwavering and unswerving support of the media. Blue Lives Matter at that point in time and it would be a bit um, crushing to be a policeman right at the moment in uh, Victoria, you know, because the Victoria police have done nothing wrong recently, really. You know, not, not out of the ordinary for a police force. You know, they're about the best you can get. They're about the best you can hope for, you know. Uh, uh, and, and that's even if you're, you know, that's even if you're African, you know. It's about the best you're going to get, you know. Um... But, you know, the police would have thought they had the full support of the media about... about, And I I think they would have felt good about themselves, the police, about a month or two ago. But, you know, the police have done nothing wrong since then. You know, but there there is a police force over in America, the Minneapolis police force or whoever they are, that's done something terribly wrong. And, And there is also a police force in Rwanda at the moment that has done something even worse. Yeah, but we'll just let that slide down. Nobody knows about that. Um, you know, these things have happened overseas. But as a result of those things happening overseas, the media here in Australia has turned on the police for profit. That's what I'm going to argue in the episode that's coming up. Now, I I contend that all sides of the media are doing that. Um, You know, the right-leaning and the left-leaning, because even uh, media, because even the left-leaning media has turned on the police in a certain way, you know, by trying to inflame the left, because that doesn't help the police either. Sorry, the other way around. Even the right-leaning media has turned on the police by, in, in the way that they have supported the police throughout 
this current crisis. That's what I'll be arguing. The right-leaning, cop-supporting media has turned on the police in the way that they have supported the police. They've, you know, the headlines are designed to inflame the right. And do da- and as a result of that, you know, it, it appears to be supporting them. As, as I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted uh, by an incoming vocal, happens to be. Um, the, the right-leaning media has turned on the police by you know, uh, reporting this whole George Floyd thing. You know, running a campaign, really, you know, on Black Lives Matter, uh, in reporting it in such a way as to inflame the right. Because you know, that is not helping the police at all, because it's um, it's 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 activating the right against the left, and then the left are responding in a very vicious way, you know, as they should to a vicious attack by the right, uh, you know. But that polarization that the media is driving, you know, is is what, you know, the left leaning media, the anti-cop, the people who've taken the anti-cop position for profit. And the cop-supporting right-leaning media who are supporting the cops for profit, like by and large, you know, I'll contend that. You can disagree, but that's my contention in what's coming up. Um, have both turned on the cops. Now, my parent contention is that um, if, they'll, if, if they're willing to turn on the cops, they're willing to turn on you too. African Australian listening to this. Yeah, I don't think I've got any African Australians Australians listening to this. But if you think you've got the support of the media at this moment in time and the public, you haven't. They'll turn on you too. Don't trust them. You know, you'll be dumped very soon after this. This is you know, you think this is a turning point in history? No. Yeah, because you know, Greta Thunberg on the environment was a turning point in history only about a year ago and she's been dumped. Happens over and over again. Yeah. The cops, yeah, that was a turning point for the cops too. They felt loved about a month ago when four cops got wiped out by you know, someone on drugs and some psychopath laughed. You know, and, and we were horrified. And we all threw our support behind the police. Or, or we thought we were doing that. But um, the media, uh, we now know that they were playing that up for all it's worth. And that's the left and the right, you know, for money. They they really were. That'll be my contention in this episode. And my you know I've got I've probably got some points that rise above the obvious points in this episode. And one of them is that um, if you've got black skin or brown skin and you think this is your moment and that the world's getting behind you, the world doesn't care. And that's my very strong contention. It doesn't care. The best you can hope for is to force the world to give you justice, but don't ask the world to care. And I've got a few other examples of in what way the world doesn't care coming up. Yeah, you know, it sounds cynical, but you know I'm relaxed. You know, and the world doesn't care about me, and you know, to a certain extent, I don't care about the world. You know, I could, you could raise a case in a court of law, and I argue that coming up, uh, that I that I don't care enough. You know, I don't care enough about. Black Lives Matter, I don't care about my own grandmother enough, you know, as far as, you know, uh, on some measures, on some measures, you know, I don't care about my family enough, I don't care about my friends enough, I don't care about anyone 
enough, depending on your measure. There are people of gold in the world, I know that. And there are exceptions to my contention that um, there is a special place for in hell for the media. I mean most of the media. You know, it's Facebook thinking. You know, to uh, think of an example that goes against what I'm saying and, and, and thinking that shoots down my argument. You know, I'm generalising and that's, you know, intelligent people know how to generalise. You know, Facebook posts. Uh, you know, they're the ones that, you know, they find one example that go against the generalisation and say, aha, this exception here, this one case, proves you're wrong you know, with your generalisation. But that's, that's nonsensical. Nonsensical, you know. You get that on social media all the time, as I understand it. You know, three words, you know, that proves that this is a turning point in the history of Black Lives Matter. You know, and they'll quote someone who said three words, and they say that's the proof. You know, that's the exception, is what I'd say. That's not the generalisation. That's no proof. Yeah, but that's what you get. You get a headline like that. You know, one photo that um, nails this whole issue. You know, one photo that says it all. Yeah, you know, there's no one photo that says anything. It's a very complex and sophisticated issue. Yeah, and um, and nobody cares. Yeah, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something to get used to, and be prepared for. You know, the media is setting Africans up at the moment to a certain extent by showing them too much hate and too much love. You know, what the media is about to show African Americans, African Australians, African everything's, is um, that um, there's something far worse than being hated or loved. What the media will show Black Lives Matter very soon is indifference. Yeah, because something more important will come up. Yeah, because there is nothing more important than the environment. Greta Thunberg and the media convinced us of that two years ago. There is nothing more important than the environment. Nothing. Yeah, because without an environment, we're extinct. Right. So nothing is more important than that. And yet, if you listen to the media now, Black Lives Matter is the most important thing in the world. How can that be? How can that be? And the environment be the most important thing? You know, much more critical than Black Lives Matter or anything. I don't think I ever heard Greta Thunberg um, talk about Black Lives Matter or any of these other minor concerns. You know, she wasn't asked to because everyone took it on faith that the only thing really that matters is the environment. At that time. She's being pushed off the front pages as well by Black Lives Matter. How can the environment be pushed off the front pages by Black Lives Matter? You know, this sort of thing, you know. Look, I interrupted again, of course. You know, was, that's par for the course for me. Now, um, so what, what was I talking about? Yeah, look, the whole episode. Yeah, I got interrupted. No, I'm not going to continue each thought that I get interrupted on. Um, but, uh, yeah, a special place in hell for the media. Okay. Yeah. Now, sometimes I imagine also... Now, if you're getting played by the media in this game, you know, if you're getting your emotions switched on and off uh, by the media each time one of these causes comes along, Black Lives Matter, you know, you know, if you're getting furious you know, at, the, uh, uh, at the treatment of the cops or you know, Africans, if you like, you know, or Indigenous Australians or whatever, but if you're getting your emotions turned on and off by the media... You know, not necessarily, you know, your emotions are going to turn, get turned off and on anyway by something like the vision of something like George Floyd being getting killed, which was horrendous, of course. 
you know, or, you know, some cops that I heard about recently, you know, that um, during coronavirus, and I mentioned this coming up, um, you know, that in, you know, they were pushing people, women, in, into their houses to enforce social distancing. This is cops for you, you know, um, over in Rwanda. And they were following them in there and, um, and raping them. Yeah, and that's on the record. Uh, um, you know, Rwandan authorities are charging those police. You know, um, you know, yeah, those things are always already going to you know trigger emotions in you, and so they should. But if if the um, if the media is dialing those emotions up for you, no one's dialing up the Rwandan one. Um, yeah. I got, I was properly emotional about that one. You might think I'm not emotional enough about George Floyd uh, over in America there, you know. But I was emotional about um, the women that were being raped and their partners were getting bashed too by the cops, uh, you know, their husbands or whatever. Um, you know, I got emotional about that as I heard it, as I heard about it. I got emotional about George Floyd too, but you know I'm not going to be told by you how emotional I should get about George Floyd. Uh, I would be um, an idiot if I had my emotions dialed up about that any more um, than they should be for any event that happens overseas. There's heaps of events that happen overseas. They're all shocking and horrible. Yeah, I I get emotional emotional when I read history. Yeah. Um, Vercingetrix in Avaricum, when Julius Caesar came through conquering Gaul, I actually felt for the people in Avaricum, you know, the way Julius Caesar wiped them out, genocide, you know, killed all the children, the babies, the pets, yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to have my emotions dialed up anymore, you know, than I, than, yeah, look, I could, I could be an emotional wreck all the time. You know, if you're getting your emotions dialed up by the media, oh, and and can I say, if you're getting your mental health uh, damaged by the media, yeah, to a certain extent, I think you're an idiot. Yeah, and that's just my personal opinion. That's all. I think you're an idiot. You know, if I if if you're going to tell me how to feel about you know. Yeah, I may I may hate the police for all you know, and I may love the police, and I may hate black people, and I may love them. You don't know. Yeah, but the point is, I'm, I'm going to feel. I'm going to be in control of how much I feel about these things, despite the media. Now, if you are getting your mental health dialed up in a bad way by the media, more fool you, in my opinion. Look, it's sometimes justified. Yeah, if I was a cop, for example, and I felt the love two months ago, and I felt the love two months ago when the media was right behind the cops. Yeah, and then I, I, and I am feeling rejected now by the media. You know, now that Black Lives Matter has come along, and there's more papers to be sold, and streaming to be sold, and clicks to be sold in, you know, creating you know, a left-right furor. Yeah, I'd be yeah, all right. It's reasonable to have your mental health damaged. You know, but I'm I'm trying to hold strong, and um. And, and control my own emotions. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to be controlled. And to a to a certain extent, there's another place in hell reserved for another type of person. You know, the people not from the people of the media. Um, 
the people who uh, were played. There's a place in hell for people who are played in this world, you know, where other people are playing them. You know, they're the weak, the meek. Yeah, but they're also the victims too. You know, look, I have to admit, if I was a cop, I might not be so cocky as I am making this podcast. I've never had anything bad happen to me. If I was someone with black skin who had experienced racism all my life and I, and I found myself being played by the media at the moment, look, probably that would, yes, definitely, that would be understandable because yeah, it hits a raw nerve. And do you know what? The media knows they're hitting a raw nerve. You know, they know it's a touchy subject and they're playing it for all it's worth. They're playing with everybody's emotions. They're playing with the emotions of the cops, you know, by going too far right and too far left. It's cruel. And they're, they're playing with the emotions of the um, Africans or the Indigenous Australians or whatever uh, by going too hard right or too hard and too hard left. You know, people who are supporting um, Black Lives Matter in the media, you know, media outlets who are supporting Black Lives Matter are not necessarily a friend. Of Black Lives Matter, you know, if they if they're specifically trying to trigger the right in throwing too much support behind the left cause, then the left leaning media there is not your friend, African Australian, not your friend, and not your friend either, Indigenous Australia. They are your enemy. They are selling you down the river for profit. Same goes for you cops. You know, if you think the right leaning media is your friend by getting behind your cause at this point in time on Black Lives Matter, if they're doing that in such a way as to inflame the left, they are not your friend. Policeman, policewoman, they are not your friend. Yeah. That's all I'll say about that. All right, um, there's some audio coming up. There's lots of audio coming up. I'm just chatting today about this one.